But I am so excited uh, to dive into today's word. Before we do so, New Birth, can we welcome all our first-time guests? Come on, somebody. Oh, my God. If it's your first time here, we want to say welcome home. I want to say you look so good today. You are beautiful and amazing. You are so awesome for even joining us. Um, and we just, we honor your presence. If it's your first time here, you could literally be anywhere on a Tuesday night. You could be going up in a club on a Tuesday if you want. Uh, but you decide, I'm going to come, and I'm going to spend time with some people that love Jesus. And it might be a little bit too ratchet for me, but don't worry, don't worry. You'll, you'll, you'll match the energy one day. I believe it. Um, but we love you. I want to let you know if someone invited you, they love you more than you love yourself. They believe in you more than you believe in yourself because they brought you straight to the source of happiness, of joy, of purpose, of peace. And so everything you've been looking for everywhere else, they grabbed you by the hand and said, no, 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 you're going to find it here. Guaranteed, baby, guaranteed. We've been in a sermon series entitled The Book of Galatians. Anybody been blessed by it? It's been good. You've been learning something. Anybody in the room? Okay, cool, cool, cool. If you, if you didn't clap, it's like, okay, whatever. I love you. Don't worry. You're going to be blessed by it tonight. Come on, somebody. Uh, I'm so excited. We are closing off the series. Somebody's like, ah. Oh, my God, no, baby, not in the series. I love this series. We're closing it off. It is the final week, and as Natasha, the amazing host of today's announcement, said, uh, we are going ahead to a new sermon series. But tonight, if you don't take notes, please take notes. If you do take notes, can I see your notebooks in the air? Can I see the notes app? Okay, some people out here taking notes on a Tuesday night. I need you to take notes. It's the last week. Somebody say last week. And because it's the last week, that means there's good news. That means that after the next... 32 minutes, which would probably be like 27 minutes in a realistic time. In the next 20 to 30 minutes, you would have completed an entire book in the Bible. Come on, can you can you clap it up for yourselves? Y'all did so good. Y'all read so consistently. I'm so proud of you. By the end of tonight, you're going to be able to say that in 2021, I read an entire book in the Bible. The reason we did this series is because you would see how beautiful, how fun, and how simple it is to just read God's word and receive so much from it. And so my goal is that you would get a new book in May. Come on, somebody. Anybody with me? You get a new book for yourself in May. Come on, maybe some of us are going to Revelations, praying for you, bro. Oh my gosh, that's going to be tough. But anyways, God bless you. Uh, some of us are going to go right to the beginning, Genesis. Maybe you decided, man, this was so cool. I want to read the whole Bible. Shout out to you. Let's do it. Get around some people. Get around some friends that you meet tonight and read the book of Genesis with them. Some of you, it's going to be John. Some of you, it's going to be Leviticus, praying for you as well. Uh, some of you, it's going to be Proverbs, and you're going to be preaching next month. <laughs> I don't know. You're going to get some good wisdom out of that. But my goal is that you would receive today's message and say, man, if we can read the Bible here in 30 minutes and read an entire book in one month, imagine what God can do through me for the rest of the year. And so tonight, I want you to take notes. If you're taking notes, I want you to ask the person next to you a question and then write that question down as today's title. Ask them, am I a Pharisee? Is that me? Yes, you are. Oh, my God, no, you're not supposed to answer that. Chill, what's wrong with you? Title of tonight's sermon is Am I a Pharisee? If this title is too confronting to you, just write down Galatians chapter 6. That's a little simpler uh, to write down. But that is the title of today's sermon. I want to read to you the beginning of this uh, chapter as Paul is finishing off the letter. We're going to pray and dive right into this word. Come on, read it with me. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Somebody say gently. Should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Verse 2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, 
they deceive themselves. Uh-oh, he coming for our heads on this last chapter. Verse 4, each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. Verse 5, this, this is where he gets a little cutthroat here. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructions. Do not be deceived, in verse 7. God cannot be mocked. I love this. A man reaps what he sows. Whosoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh they will reap destruction. But whosoever sows to please the Spirit, a.k.a. God, from the Spirit he will reap eternal life. I might say something that's going to offend you. I didn't say it. Paul said it. I'm just repeating his words to y'all. Verse 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. God, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for the reading of your word. Thank you, God, for allowing us to dive into this, to dissect this, to speak truth, and God, hopefully for our lives to be changed, God. If a pastor says some words, if, if a singer says some words, if a prophet says some words, God, there's a possibility that I'd remain the same. But God, if you speak directly into my life, there is no way that I would be the same person walking out of this room that I came in. God, if you speak to me directly, if you speak to me, God, with your voice and no one else's, God, if my heart of hearts knows that it's you speaking to me, God, I will forever be changed, God. My life will be transformed, God. With just one word tonight, I believe you can make a difference in everyone's lives in this room. Come on, everybody, repeat after me. Say, Jesus. Come on, out loud. Say, Jesus. I'm here listening. Speak to me. And everybody says, amen and amen. Now, I, I do want to give a quick little shout out to everybody graduating. Come on, anybody graduating in the room this season? Anybody? Okay, cool. couple people graduating. If you're not graduating, you are suffering and almost cursing through finals. Like, why am I not graduating? I'm putting so much work for no reason. Some of you have a couple of months to graduate. Some of you have a couple of days to graduate. Some of you already have, and, and congratulations to you. Uh, definitely college is an experience. Come on, can I get an amen in the room? It is an experience. It might not be a good one. Might not be a bad one, but it's an experience nonetheless. I think back at my college life. Whoa, how old are you? I'm just 21. I just I dropped out. I'm going back in soon. Don't worry about it. We're all in the process. Can I get an amen in the room, right? I'll be back. I'll be back one day. I'm going to be scholarly. Call me Dr. Dennis Rivera. Anyways, whatever. That's a whole nother. That's going to be in a couple years. Sermon series, the book of, of Dr. Dennis. Anyways, whatever. I remember one day I, I was signing up for classes. You know, you get really excited to sign up for classes. You get really frustrated actually doing the classes. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, my God, I'm a college student. What's up? It's like my second year, right, a.k.a. my last year, whatever. Second year, I'm going in. I'm like, yo, I'm literally going to be the king of these tests. Like, I'm going to do all my stuff on time. I'm going to be the teacher's favorite because she's going to be like, oh, my God, Dennis, your brain is so heavily evolved over all other human beings. I want to give you a scholarship to stay. Like, I was that guy. I had dreams, and, like, I had plans for how school was going to go. So I remember going to the registrar's office, what they called it, to sign up for classes. And I'm sitting in front of the desk with the lady who's signing me up for stuff. She asked me a question. So, Dennis, what do you, what do you want to do with your life? I want to change the world. I'm going to be the president of the United States and the president of Uganda at the same time. How is that possible? I don't know. It's going to happen. Sign me up for my classes. I got to go change the world, right? We're, we're talking. She's signing me up. And out of nowhere, as she's signing me up, I see an ant on her forehead. 
It's the most distracting thing I've ever experienced in my life, right? And she's, I'm telling her, like, oh, what about this class on Thursday? And I'm looking right at her forehead. What about, what about that class on Friday? And, I'm, and, like, I'm following her forehead back and forth as the ant is crawling. And then it goes down, like, right by her eye. But she's just like, you know, like, right, the old lady's just crazy nails, super strong nails, right? She could, like, break a bone with her nails. She's like, and she's like, okay, let me see this availability. How about this professor? I'm like, I don't know who that is. Tell me about it. And the ant is just going all up on her business. Like, her makeup had lines, smears of the ant's footprints. I'm just kidding. But it was going all over the place, right? And I was like, oh, my God, do I say something? Like, what happens if she yells? You know, like, somebody who's afraid of, like, bugs, like, maybe they'll yell. It's an ant. But I don't know who she is. She's just signing me up for classes. And, um, Long story short, your boy is definitely not the holiest of holies. And so the entire conversation went through when I didn't tell her that there was an ant on her face. Now, either she has bad nerves or she was way too caked up on her face to feel the footsteps. I be feeling mosquitoes on my face at the basketball court. Like I'm playing a full game and I know when something bit me. And so I don't know how she didn't know. Long story short, it crawled all around her face. It went her neck. It went behind her and I lost it. And I was just like, oh, uh. Yeah, just sign me up for all those classes. <laughs> just go ahead. I guess so. I don't know. She's like, hey, is everything okay? Yeah, we're, we're doing great. I'm like, I don't know. I'm, are you itchy? I'm kind of itchy. I don't know, right? I leave the office, sign up for my classes, and all day long, all day long, I'm thinking about this ant. My brain is going so crazy. Did it eat her? Is she allergic to ants? And maybe me not saying anything led to her death. I don't know. Did the ant bite her and now she mutated into ant woman? I'm, I'm going crazy. My brain is at a thousand. I'm in the elevator and I'm like, oh my God, what if I would have told her I could have saved her life, right? I see an ambulance and I'm like, oh my God, is that for her? I see a cop car. Oh my God, is that for her? What's going on? Is this woman alive? Long story short, I don't know if she's alive. <laughs> I left. I never went back and uh, hopefully she didn't die. The reason I, I share this story with you is because I, I really want you to understand something about your life. And it's that everywhere you go, in school, at church, at your job, there are people walking with ants all around their face. Let me translate it so you understand. There are people walking with anger all around their face. Sadness all around their face. Addiction, depression, anxiety, frustration, divorce, poverty. There's people walking with ants all over the face. Sicknesses all over their face. Different internal and external problems all over their face. And if we are not the church that Jesus wants us to be, we will do exactly what Pastor Dennis did at this office. We would notice every ant crawling on their face, every sadness in their lives. And what we would do is stay silent about it. See, but I believe God is calling a spirit-filled church to walk as in what chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 said, to walk by the spirit as sons and daughters of God, to let people know, hey, you got an ant on your face. I don't want to help you out. And so many times I, I find Christians to be the rudest people. I find Christians not, not just to be the rudest, but to be the most quiet. We're reading chapter 6 of Galatians, and I need you to understand that Paul spends 60% of this final chapter on this one idea, do good to others. As we read it, he says things like, don't get tired of doing good. He says things like, carry one another's burdens. He says things like, be together, serve one another, because one day you'll end up harvesting or reaping what you've sown. And it's Paul's final sentences He's got 18 sentences in the last chapter, and he spends 10 of those 18 telling the church, make sure you do good. 
Make sure you continuously serve one another. I, I want you to write this down. This is going to start a conversation. And it's that we should never be too busy for people. Shouldn't. We shouldn't. See, the reason Paul spends a lot of time talking about this is because I, I believe we have this belief that they also had. Someone told us that it was okay to only meet people in church in church. Someone told us it was okay that as long as you're reposting something, you got the job done. They told us that as long as you made it to the protest and you showed everyone that you were there, you did everything that you could have done to make a difference. Someone told us that, hey, if you only hang out with them after service, you're a true part of the community of faith. And now Paul is talking to these people saying, no, 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 wait, wait, hold on. 60% of what I'm saying at the end is saying, don't stop giving up on people. He's saying, don't stop doing good to people. Don't stop serving people. We should never be too busy for people. I don't want to be the church that can talk the talk, but can't walk alongside the people that I'm talking to. I can't. I can't. Tonight, I need you to cut off the culture that says I'll only see you on a Tuesday. Cut that off. It's bogus. Imagine if Jesus only met with his disciples on a Tuesday. They were already discouraged when he died. Imagine how much more discouragement they would have had if they only met once a week. Imagine if the only time that they went to Jesus was whenever it was Sunday and they got a 30-minute word from him and then they bounced. They would have never seen Jesus multiply fish and bread. They would have never walked on water. They would have never seen the seas and the storms calm at Jesus' name. If it was just once a week, they wouldn't see all the miracles they saw. And tonight Paul is saying, hey, the reason I'm spending so much of my last chapter telling you to not stop doing good is because we should never be too busy for people. I love what Crystal said in generosity last week. She was talking about the law of attraction. And she was talking about how, man, if you just give into the universe, the universe would give back to you. That's this belief that the world has. And, and a lot of people nowadays our age, they practice this. That if I just give positivity, I'll get positivity. If I just give love, then I'll get love. And, and she said that it was false. I was like, heck yeah, Crystal, you're right, it's false, girl, that, that is dumb. And some of us were in the room like, wait, wait, but why? What, what, why is that false? And Paul actually talks about this. He says, what you sow, you will eventually reap. He says it specifically there. He says, don't get tired of doing good. Because in due time, you will receive harvest of what you've given. And so it's not about giving to the universe. It's about sowing into people. It's about sowing into an environment. It's about sowing into a program. It's about sowing into a community. Not about giving to the universe. You see, here's the problem. If all you do is give to the universe, when something goes bad, guess who you're going to blame? The universe. If all you do is give to the universe when you don't get what you think you deserve, guess who you're going to blame? The universe. See, and the principle that God teaches us is, no, no, don't blame the universe when you don't get what you think you deserve. Examine yourself. Because if I just give to the universe and I don't get what I want, I have an easy scapegoat. I never have to correct myself. I never have to better myself. I never have to mature myself. I never have to discipline myself. Because when something goes wrong, guess whose fault that was? It was it's just the universe ain't in my favor. You blame other people's personalities on stars when really it's just the way that they decide to live their life. It's not no stars, baby. And Paul is saying, no, no, it's not this law of attraction where the universe decides how your life goes. No, no, it's what you reap. It's because you've sown something. In other words, check this out. When you're not getting something you want, ask yourself, what am I sowing? Don't ask yourself, when are the stars going to align? When is the moon going to be full? Don't ask yourself, when is, my, when is the universe going to align with my life? When, is it gonna, when am I going to get lucky? No, ask yourself, what have I been sowing? Here's a very important question to follow up with that. Where have I been sowing? 
Because a lot of us, we got some really good, I, I need to let you know, you got some really good things in your heart. It's beautiful. I've had conversations with some of y'all after service. I do life with some of you here, and we, and we hang out after service. We, we go out to eat, and, and I talk to you, and your hearts, you guys are beautiful people. God has blessed you and created you for amazing things. But so many of us, we give the right thing to the wrong place or to the wrong person or at the wrong time. And Paul is saying, whoa, whoa, hold on. It's not this law of attraction where you just throw out joy and you'll get it one day. No, no. You have to sow that joy into someone. You have to sow that joy into something. You have to sow that joy somewhere. I, I, I want you to write it down this way so you can tattoo it somewhere if you want to be a cool Christian. It's not about so. It's not about throwing. It's about sowing. It's not about throwing, it's about sowing. It's not, oh, I'm going to just release it, and one day it will come back to me. I would even like to say it to you this way, that God has called me to sow, not throw. I can't just throw seeds everywhere and expect it to grow all over the place. i got to throw my seeds in a place that I know is fertile. i got to throw my seeds in a place that I know God is actually in favor of this. God approves of this. God is going to water this. I have to be more careful where I throw my seeds. Now, let me explain that to you a little bit because you might get confused. Being careful about your investments does not mean you do less of it or that you do it slower. It just means that you do it more intentionally. When God says to protect your heart, it doesn't mean to pull it away from everyone. It just says when you give it to people, do it with more care. Being careful doesn't mean backing up and staying away. It means just put more care, more passion, more intentionality, which means I'm not just giving to God's house. I'm going to know the house that I'm giving to. I'm not just being your friend to say I'm your friend. I'm going to know the people that I call my friends. I'm going to sow. I'm not going to throw. I'm not just going to release and say, all right, it's going to do something. I'm going to know you. I'm going to spend time with you. Church, I need to let you know we got to spend time with each other. We can't just throw this amazing worship song and say, oh, man, everybody grew. We can't just throw a conference and say, man, our church is spirit-filled. We actually have to sow into each other. It's not pastor's responsibility to sow into everybody. Because look what Paul says. He, he, Paul doesn't say, I'm going to carry all your burdens. No, he says, carry each other's burdens. Paul doesn't say, hey, I'm going to keep on doing good and, and y'all don't get tired of me doing good. He says, no, don't get tired of doing good to each other. It's not about just throwing all these possibilities, saying, God, one day you're going to bless. No, i got to sow specifically, carefully, intentionally, and I have to give what God wants me to give. Now, now, I find this a little weird that Paul's talking about this. Because Paul spends an entire book saying it's not what you do that gets you to heaven. It's only Jesus. Come on, that was week one, only Jesus. And the whole book, Paul is saying, no, no, it's not about your actions and what you do or don't do that gets you to heaven. It's only Jesus. But now Paul is kind of, he's shifting gears and he's saying, wait, but don't stop doing good. For five chapters, he's saying it's not about your actions, but now he's saying, but don't stop acting. Don't stop doing action. Don't stop serving people. He's saying, hey, it's not about what you give or what you don't give. But now here, he's saying, wait, but don't stop giving. So I read this and I'm like, Paul, wait, why the heck are you telling me to not stop giving, not stop doing, if for the past five chapters you've been telling me that there's nothing I could do to get to God? It's because Paul is teaching us something we all need to understand about our faith. And it's that there has to come a certain point in your relationship with Jesus where it's no longer about getting to heaven. 
If you're new in the faith, right now, all you're thinking about is, oh my God, I got to make sure I'm right so that I get into heaven. I got to make sure that I'm doing things the correct way to get into heaven. But as a mature believer, we have to understand there needs to come a point where it's not just a matter of, oh my God, I need to get to heaven. I I need to go ahead and do this. I I would actually say it this way, that a mature Christian should desire to live like heaven while living on earth. There has to be this mental shift in your relationship with Jesus where it's not just about where he's going to take you in eternity, but where he's taking you right now. I heard a pastor say this, and it blew my mind on how I do church, how I live for Jesus. He said, Christianity is not about getting people into heaven. It's about getting heaven into people. And when I read that, it's almost like it just clicked in my head like, dang, I've been thinking this entire time I'm trying to take people somewhere. I'm trying to take people to a place. But I'm realizing now that heaven is not about a place, it's about a person, and his name is Jesus. And the goal of all of this, the reason why we sing the way we sing, the reason why why we greet you at the doors, the reason why we love you and we share so much love, is not because we want you to go to heaven. (laughs) It's actually because I want you to meet a person. I don't love you because I want you to end up in eternity in heaven, even though that might be an end goal that I have. But the main reason, or at least what should be the main reason, is that you would have heaven living in you, not that you would end up in heaven. There's just so many Christians that that they just focus themselves on works and what they can do to get to heaven. I I remember I was growing up, and um, I would always ask my mom. You guys heard my story last week with with my mom and and how... um, you know, I was a principal's kid, so we were always at the school. We would be there till 7 o'clock at night, 8 o'clock at night, and, and, and on the bad days, we would be there till 9 o'clock at night. And I remember always asking my mom, Mom, can we go to Burger King? Every time we would get out of work, it just really late. I know. I, I love Burger King. I say, Mom, can we go to Burger King? I love Burger King. Mom, can we please go? Sometimes my mom would be like, I see mijo, let's go. I'm hungry. And we would pull up, and I'd be like, hey, Give me the crown. Give me the, give me the kids meal, right? If we go to McDonald's, give me that toy. If we go to Taco Bell, yo, I just want the box. I want everything, right? And she would always say, all right, let's go. But, but then there were certain moments. These moments pissed me the heck off, and, and you know exactly what I'm doing. When my mom, she was on the phone. You know when a Hispanic mom's on the phone, it's like, I see me. Mira, callate. And like, she was, right, she's just in her conversation. It's almost like Puerto Rican moms, they literally just tattoo the phone onto their head. Like, it's just there. You take it off, you can see a suntan on the side of their face, right? And I remember sometimes we would leave out of my mom's school very late at night. It was, it was family business, so that was, no, it was normal. She would be on the phone talking to somebody. Oh, my God, mira. And I'd be like, oh. I'm looking at, like, McDonald's, Burger King, whatever it may be. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my. I'm like, mom. Right? You don't, like, you don't want to interrupt her because she'll yell at you, but you also really want to make sure you don't pass by it. Mom, can we go to Burger King, Mom? And all of a sudden, it's like we're about to pass. I'm like, Mom, can we go to Burger King? And sometimes she would pull in, and I'd be like, hey, can we go to Burger King? What's up? Sometimes she would drive by, and I'm looking at the window like a little puppy, just watching it go away. I'm looking at it. It just gets further. I go to the back seat, and I'm like, you're going to hit a U-turn, right? She's like on the phone ignoring me. Are you, are we, you're going to go? You're, you're not going to go? It's, just, it's so interesting to me. When I knew that my mom said yes to going to Burger King, I didn't bother looking out the window. I just sat in my chair. You know, my, my parents, you can even ask them this. I, I was such a fat boy that I did not know I would do this, but I would sing every time we were in the drive-thru. I don't know how it happened. 
one day I was singing at the drive-thru, and my dad's like, why do you always sing when we're at the drive-thru? And I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> excuse me? That's like, that's like fat offense, right? Like when someone tells you you're fat and you don't want to, I don't sing. It's like, right, there's nothing wrong with singing, but chill. And every time my mom would say, yeah, we're going to Burger King, I would just sit and I would sing. I would like, hey, praise Jesus, hallelujah, you're worthy. I would wait on you, Jesus. But when I didn't know if she approved of us going to that location, I was in anxiety. I was like, well, are we going to go? Are we not going to go? Is she going to take the turn? Is she not going to Is she going to keep on going? Are we going to make it? And it's the same thing with us as Christians in heaven. When you understand that God said, yes, you're going to go to the location. You can sit back and relax. You can live through your life. But when we live in a space where we don't know if we're going to make it to heaven or not, we sit with this anxiety and we look at the window and we're saying, God, are you going to turn into the place? Are you not going to turn into the place? And there's so many Christians that they're they're living their life with Jesus in anxiety because they've forgotten that Jesus already said yes to eternity. Tonight, I'm literally just repeating the words of Paul. Like, yo, <laughs> eternity's secure. And so the reason why he's talking about this in his last section so much is because he wants us to understand what he understands. I'm going to make it to heaven because I love Jesus. I'm going to make it to heaven. So my focus and my worry should no longer be on when heaven is coming because I now understand that heaven lives in me. See, this is why Paul spends the last section, the last 60% of his final chapter saying, hey, keep on doing good. You don't got to worry about whether doing good people are going to take advantage of you. You're going to heaven. You don't got to look out the window to see where you're going to end up. You're going to heaven. You can just follow Jesus with joy, with pursuit. You don't have to rest all the time. You don't have to sleep all the time. You don't have to pray for purpose. You can just go through life and know that at the end of everything, you're going to make it to heaven. See, he switches the tone in just a little bit. We're going to finish right here. In Galatians 6, 11, this is where it switches. He says, now notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own hand. See, because Paul, when he would write different letters, he had a partner with him. Every, every letter, it might have been a different partner. And he would say it verbally, and the partner would write it down. But in this particular chapter, when he's closing, what he's saying is, I grabbed it from my partner. I put it in all caps and all bold. Obviously, they didn't have that back then. But he was, he was writing L, like up, down, to the right, left, up, down. Like he was just going over the L, like a lot of times when he wrote. On the Gs, he was going over like twice. And just he was making sure that these letters, if they missed anything in the letter, they would at least see these words. He says, notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words with my own hand. Verse 12. Those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others. I want you to write this down. There's a difference between doing good and looking good. It's a difference. It's a difference. And society has taught us that an aesthetic is an answer. As long as it looks good, oh, it is good. As long as your IG looks good, then your life is good. As long as your IG story is pretty, then your real life story is beautiful. And Paul is saying, he's saying, hey, they're trying to force you to be circumcised, to live this lifestyle because they want to look good to others. They're not even changing you for you to look good. They're changing you for them to look good. Look what he says in verse 13. And even those who advocate circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. They only want you to be circumcised. Why? So they can boast about it and claim you as their disciple. Can I change that last word for you real quick? I promise I'm not changing the Bible. I just want to make it relevant to your life. They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast about it and claim you as their followers. 
I think we, we've, we've created this influencer lifestyle. And it's led into our faith. Where I want to make sure I have as many followers so everyone can see how strong and powerful and wise I am. And Paul is speaking against this because the church at this moment, they were being convinced by these individuals who didn't even care about them. All they cared about is how many followers they had. You see, in, in, in this situation, we actually have a title for them. And it's a Pharisee. It's very interesting to understand that Pharisees actually died out about 60 to 70 years after Jesus resurrected. Almost around the same time that Paul is writing this letter. And so it is safe to say that as Paul is writing these letters, he is fighting against Pharisees. Now, Pharisees actually started, it was a group of individuals who started about 100 to 200 years before Jesus was born. And from the moment this group of individuals got together, their sole goal was to add to the law of God. Whatever made their life more convenient, they would change those rules. The Ten Commandments, what well, we've been talking about this whole book, they would change those rules and they would go ahead and add to it so that whatever served them, the people could follow in suit. So for an example, let's say a Pharisee that said, man, every day I got to wake up and pick up the mail from the church and I got to read it to read the needs of our community. The Pharisees would then collectively come together to change God's word and add to it to make a law that people had to go pick up the mail. And follow so that way a Pharisee's life would be easier because they would tell the church to do a bunch of things for them. Pharisees never actually did things themselves. They just persuaded God's word and they added to it so that other people would follow. See, now tonight's question is actually found in, in our title. And, and I want you to write it down again if you haven't already. And the question I have to ask myself is, am I a Pharisee? Maybe your answer is no, of course I'm not a Pharisee. <laughs> it's easy to say that but let, let me ask you with their attributes do you add to God's word no I've never I, I don't even read God's word <laughs> I can't add to it <laughs> okay you know I've actually had a lot of conversations with people after so this is funny this is funny Pastor Dennis oh my god that word so good on time and every time I always I always make it my purpose and and I try my best to be like okay well what did you get from it like I want to know like I said it and I got some good things from it but what did you get from it and the person would respond with the exact opposite of what I preached. I preached about free will. This is, this is just an example, but it's happened so many times. I preached about free will and how God gives us freedom so that we could give God back our freedom and follow life how he wants us to live. And I'm like, so what did you get from the sermon? They're like, man, I just felt like God was telling me to keep practicing my free will. Like, just do what I wanted. Just follow my desires. And, like, I felt like I was going down the right path. And God was, like, saying good job. Like, you're doing good practicing free will. And I'm like, bro, that's actually not what I preached about at all. There's so many conversations I've had where people, maybe they don't read the Bible, but when they hear someone speaking to them the truth, they start adding to God's word. Maybe you get advice and they tell you something and you actually heard the exact opposite. Are we, are we adding to God's word? Are we, are we adding expectations to God? Maybe, maybe you don't add to God's word, but maybe you add an expectation where you're saying, God, I'm going to step into this room tonight and you have to do this. See, it's not bad to expect from God, but it is unhealthy to specify exactly what God needs to do for him to be God in your life. It's bad. It's really unhealthy. Am I adding to God's word? Am I getting in the way of his plan in my life? Do I allow God to be God? Like, that's a really good question you need to ask yourself. Am I letting God do as he wants in my life? You see, Pharisees could never be told what to do, but they always told people what to do. 
It's a good sign that you're a fairy is of a fairy. <laughs> a good sign that you're a Pharisee is ask yourself this question. When was the last time you got corrected? If it's been a long time since you've gotten corrected, chances are you're really bad at getting corrected. When was the last time you got advice? If, if, you're, if you don't get advice often, chances are that you're really bad at receiving advice. So I got to ask myself, maybe, maybe not answering the question, am I a Pharisee? But maybe ask yourself, do I get in God's way a lot? Like, do I tell him what to do often? Or am I constantly asking God, God, what do you want in my life? Everybody knows John 3.16, and we're going to close here. And if you don't know John 3.16 by word, you at least know it has some connection to Jesus. John 3.16 is, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but they will have everlasting life. This is not something that someone else wrote. This is something Jesus said. This verse, John 3.16, is the logo of our faith. Like if you think of Christianity, the first verse that comes to mind is John 3.16. It's the single most important thing that Jesus said because it is the completion of all of his plan. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And many people know this verse, but what they don't know is that Jesus said this to a Pharisee. When Jesus says the most important verse in scripture, that's arguably, he's saying it in a conversation with the Pharisee. John chapter 3, the Bible talks about a man by the name of Nicodemus going to Jesus in the nighttime. A lot of scholars say that he went to Jesus in the nighttime because he was ashamed of being seen by other Pharisees going to Jesus. I can imagine him, they're like probably chilling outside a tent. There's like fire and, and there's like a bunch of stars, a couple of, a couple of trees around them giving them shade. The moon is coming out, and Nicodemus is like hoodie, right? He's got like the whole hoodie thing going on. He's like, all right, where's Jesus? He's, he's going around the tents of wherever people are staying, going around the cities, whatever. And he goes to Jesus. And the Bible says that when Nicodemus goes to Jesus, he's like, yo, Jesus, I just want to let you know, the Pharisees, we actually know God's with you. Like the people that were always against Jesus, he's speaking on behalf of all of them. And he says, hey, we know God is with you because of all the miracles, signs, and wonders that you're doing. And look at Jesus' response to him. He says, Nicodemus, truly, truly, I tell you that unless you are born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. Out of this conversation, the most important verse that we all know comes about. And Nicodemus' response to Jesus is, how can an old man be born again from his mother's womb? I, I love the response of Jesus. He says in John 3, 6, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. I heard a pastor say this, and I'm going to say it exactly as he did because it changed my life recently. He said, it's not works, it's birth. It's not works, it's birth. It's not a thing you can do. You can't be sworn in, he said. He said, you have to be born in. Well, how, how can I, I don't understand the, I've already been born. How do I do this again? Jesus says, flesh gives birth to flesh. But the spirit gives birth to the spirit. See, this verse might be a little bit confusing. Because there, there's certain things that you don't understand until it makes it to your house. Obviously, I was born. <laughs> That's why I'm standing here today. Obviously, you all were born. But very recently in my family, we, we had a, a big loss. One of my, my sisters, not one of my sisters, I only have one. One of my sisters. 
my sister, she, she recently got pregnant, and it was exciting. It was, it was good news. It, we were celebrating. And, and life doesn't matter as much until it enters your house, right? Like, oh, my God. Like, my, my uncles, they have grandkids, and my cousins have given birth. I'm like, hey, shout out to you. But it wasn't until it entered my home that I was like, oh, my God, a baby? Oh, holy crap. About three months later in the process, we were celebrating. We were so excited. Unfortunately, the doctor gave us news that it was a miscarriage. See, now, it's very similar because when I was in the third grade, my teacher had a miscarriage. And again, in the fourth grade, my teacher had a miscarriage. It was a different teacher. And so I have experienced miscarriages, but it wasn't until it entered my home that it, just, it was just different. So my family, we, we took this large trip, and, and we went to Texas for a weekend, and we just got away from the world because it, it was such a pain. It was, for some of us, it was pain. For some of us, it was discomfort. For some of us, it was misunderstanding. But, but we just didn't understand what was going, like, why was this a part of God's plan? So obviously, we're, we're spending time, we're talking about what happened, and, and they shared that, um, that the baby was turning in the womb. And as it was turning, the, the, the actual sack that the baby was in tore open. And so the process of the baby stopped because what was supposed to be closed was open. And I remember as I was preparing for this message, and Jesus says, flesh gives birth to flesh. I, I thought of my sister and her child. But then when Jesus says, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit, I thought about Jesus and me. And I had to ask myself, Jesus, am, am I turning too much where I'm at right now? Am I moving too much where I'm at right now? I, I understood what happened there when the flesh gave birth to flesh, but God in my spirit, it, it, what's going on here? And some of us, we have this question, well, Pastor Dennis, I, I understand that, that I got to keep doing good. I understand that it's not about works, it, it, it's about birth. So, so how can I get born again? I remember Jesus responded to me, he said, Dennis, it's stillness. Can you sit still? let me birth things in your life? Can you sit still and let me process things in your life? Like how many times do we actually say, God, I'm not telling you to stop. I'm going to stop. And you won't. God, I'm not telling you to go. I'm going to actually go ahead, stay still, and I'll let you do as you wish. When was the last time you gave God 110% permission to do everything he wanted to do in your life? And you didn't take it back a week after. And you didn't decide to make your own decisions after. See, because the flesh will give birth to flesh. But if you want to be born again in Jesus, ready? The spirit will give birth to a spirit. Tonight, this entire series is closed with this idea. This is why we talked about it, ready? Because we want your faith to be genuine. No more bogus Christians, bro. Like, no more you do really good in service, but then when you get out, like, you're a, you're a buckaroo, right? Just to say that way. No more of that, man. No more of undisciplined Christianity where when I'm in the room, I can practice everything pastor requires of me. But when I get out the room, I'm just going to do my own thing. No more of saying, God, I give you everything, but then going back and taking everything from God. No more surrendering partially and then taking back from my, no more of that. <laughs> pastor Dennis, how do I do that? You have to let the spirit. Give birth to a spirit in you. See, now Nicodemus was at this moment with Jesus, and, and I feel so bad for him because he just didn't understand it. Because he was thinking physically, not spiritually. And tonight, I, I want to let you know, God maybe has not been tugging on the hairs on your skin, but he's been tugging on your heart. Say, hey, give this up to me. 
surrender this to me. You've been too focused on this and you can't live life. Give me that. Because the more you're turning inside the womb, the more you're likely to break it and tear it and stop your development. Tonight, God is saying, hey, whoa, whoa, if you want to be born again, just sit in my presence. Just sit with me. Come on, every eye closed, every head bowed. Come on, I believe the Spirit of God is in this room. And I believe he's been speaking to people. I believe he's been calling people to action. I believe he's been challenging individuals. Nobody's looking around. Every eye is closed, every head is bowed. Come on, right now, God, the Spirit is moving over you. And it's not in a, in a way that you'll feel it on your skin. You might not feel it on your flesh because flesh already gave birth to flesh. You're going to feel this in your spirit because God, right now, he's bringing his spirit to give birth to a new spirit in you.